Hey guys, just wanted to apologize in advance at the top of this podcast for the audio problems or issues you might hear. Uh, we're going to continue improving and making sure that this podcast experience is good for the rest of you guys. So enjoy this one and thanks. Hi and welcome. I'm Thomas Euler and this is the first edition of Liquidicast, our brand new podcast um, presented by Liquidity Team, which is our blockchain sports tech company that is active in the in the sports tech and blockchain world, obviously. And I'm not alone here, but I'm joined by my colleague and friend Ron. Ron. Probably you want to say hi to the audience and probably you don't want to only say hi, but also uh, we talk a bit about what Liquidicast is going to be and what we envision it to be. Hey, hey, Thomas. Yep. Thanks for the intro. Um, my name's Ron. I'm a pretty new member of the Liquidity team. team. Um, yeah, this uh, the Liquidicast huddle is essentially going to be our our internal podcast where we can really discuss things around sports, marketing, blockchain, and fan engagement, and really dive into some of the topics that we're interested in and, and kind of share our insights and analysis of, of those topics. Yeah, and I think, so you mentioned the huddle. So in this liquidity cast, we will be doing a bunch of different formats, actually, and some will be interview-based. We will bring on guests to different shows to talk about subjects that matter for one to us, but hopefully to you, the listeners, too. And I think Ron gave the perfect outline of what the topics we are going to touch upon will be. And huddle will be the internal format that we do with colleagues from our company. And especially, I think the reason we are going, uh, we are talking with you, Ron, today, is not only that you are the initiator of this entire initiative and that of course is really great and i'm thankful for you to to make us podcast but on top you also wrote an article recently about the subject of esports and why esports really is groundbreaking when it comes to fan engagement in the, the digital realm which probably to some extent is expectable because esports is a, a purely digital format in and of itself but probably you want to share a bit what made you write this article what is your touch point with the esports scene yeah sure so um my whole life i've kind of been a gamer i started with you know diablo 2 counter-strike 1.6 kind of those old school online online PC games. And uh, those were kind of, you know, the first games where I was really exposed to kind of this competitive gaming arena. And, you know, back then, esports wasn't really a, a huge industry. There wasn't a lot of money behind esports. I mean, there were professional Cal teams on Counter-Strike and stuff like that. But What time I are mean, we talking about? I mean, we're talking about 2007, 2008, maybe even, right. maybe even earlier than that. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, this is before kind of this, I mean, back then you didn't even have Justin TV yet, which, you know, later became Twitch TV. Uh, so you didn't really have any of these platforms on which gamers can really watch each other and, and learn from each other and, and kind of cultivate this community of, of professional gaming. So, you know, back then I was always really into gaming. Um, I always thought that gaming could be kind of a business. Um, you know, we just didn't have the mediums on which to, to, to kind of share our passion with each other. We had text-based forums and, and places where mm -hmm. we can kind of just banter amongst, each, amongst ourselves or Ventrilo and other kind of voice comms platforms. But 
for the most part, gaming gaming was just gaming. You know, you gamed with your friends. Uh, you gamed at the local internet cafe and. Yeah, I just wanted to wanted to mention this because, as our listeners will find out, anyways, during this episode. So I'm really not an esports expert, but of course I also did dabble in gaming. And I remember we always used to go after school to this little internet cafe in Koblenz, the town that I lived clo close by, and our school was close by. So we took the train to Koblenz, and then went to the internet cafe, and that was the early Counter Strike days, right? And then we played Counter Strike there in the LAN, only the LAN because internet doing it on the proper internet way too slow. But uh, yeah, that, that is what we did. But that is as far as active esports goes for me, to be frank. I will have a bunch of questions for you. Yeah, sure. I mean, that, I think that's what most people's exposure kind of was to gaming back then. And even including now, I mean, esports is, esports is growing as an industry. But I would say that the majority of the people who follow esports are, are kind of your casual fans. Your people that watch casually. Um, they're big fans of a particular game or, or a particular um, line of games and they kind of want to improve their gameplay. And uh, yeah, I mean, as I was saying, I was really into gaming growing up. Um, I think one of my first jobs out of college, I worked at a gaming merchant provider. So they were a, a tech company that essentially made e-commerce and gaming user interfaces for um, online video games. And um, that was kind of my first exposure to esports. And you know, while working at that company, uh, we launched this esports academy, which is which was pretty much a, a platform where gamers and streamers can kind of monetize their skills, and and All users right. could book. Yeah, that, they're they're able to book one-on-one -on -one sessions with these pros and and really you know get better at esports. And this was I mean, this was back in. That is probably a great. That is probably a great segue to to getting a bit into the thesis of your article because when you mention this business model, um, it is something that I'm in in discussions with many people from other sports tech companies about about several things and and exactly this model is something a few people are trying to to establish in the in the tr like traditional physical sports world. I would make probably let's find a convention out to talk about this stuff because for me esports is sports like other sports is sports because it's like like my, my definition of sports but you can probably disagree is like a competitive entertainment product right that would be for me the definition of sports and esports falls into this but of course there is a difference between between physical sports and esports just in the kind of what happens how it is presented so so but but here you mentioned something that is several years ago and now it's coming to the traditional world of sports and i think that is a bit the the key assumption that your article which has the great title by the way why esports is the accidental trailblazer of digital innovation what a title man um What is, the, what is the core hypothesis you're making there? Right, so coronavirus hit everyone pretty hard. Much your, your big tech conglomerates have really capitalized on it, but a lot of companies have struggled. And esports in the gaming industry did not miss a beat. So from March of 2020 until now, they've been on a parabolic tree, and that's because of the nature of the business model esports have really shown the rest of the world and this is even before amazon they've kind of showed us what a perfect digital model looks like you mentioned kind of at the top of the show the consumer lives digitally anyone who watches esports is a child of the internet we grew up using the internet we grew up kind of understanding the intricacies of you know the platforms that we use and 
esports has really monopolized that type of thing. I mean, from A to Z, you have digital touch points with the user in esports. So I think it's something that they, they've already been taking advantage of. And I think a lot of traditional sports companies and, and sports entities as well, like that includes athletes or agencies can really be kind of learning from how esports has really created this this uh, digital economy around their their sport. I mean, as you know, I always try to try to start the user in mind and and in the case of sports it's the it's the fan so if you if you start from the fans perspective l l let me ask you this because i think uh, the case you're making for esports is super valid we it's a super digital native audience almost by definition and uh, but but would you assume that that is increasingly true also for fans of traditional sports Or w would you assume that that probably it's a very different, like like demographic or, or graphic? I think that's actually something that traditional sports are struggling with at the moment, because the younger fan is such a digital digitally native user segment. Uh, traditional sports are having, actually having a hard time finding and engaging with those fans because Gen Z and millennials, you know, they're they're their their fandom for sports is a lot different than what you know your your boomers or your or even your older millennials might view sports we grew up in a family in which our entire family was laker fans our entire family loved the rams or loved the raiders and that's how it was and you grew a passion for those teams and regardless if they were shit or if they were good you were going to support that club um today with kind of the younger audience they tend to follow personalities more. They follow influencers. They'll follow a player or, a, or an influencer that they really love more than they'll follow kind of, kind of that team as a, 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 as a passionate fan. And I think that's, that's something that sports teams really struggle with. And, and I agree with you that even though kind of, you know, digital, digital streams are being used more by these younger fans, it's harder for teams to maintain that loyalty. So I think that's something that, you know, with, with esports, they've been able to kind of really accentuate the individual athlete a lot, a lot more than, than kind of traditional sports have been able to do. For, yeah, with, I mean, the these guys exceptions. are super, these guys and girls are super accessible, right? I, I mean, they, when they are not playing a match, they are probably on Twitch streaming and you can interact with them on their, on their live stream. So it's, it's super approachable. In the in the digital way, and and th that is, I think, one of the one of the points that is very interesting to me and to us at Liquidity Team, of course. How can you make the presentation of sports in a way that works with these younger audiences? And, and to me, that has a lot to do with like how you how you tell the story. So so, but what I would like to ask you, coming coming from, I mean, yes, you are a sports fan and uh, and the Lakers fan, and you have all this, but you also follow esports and you are much more embedded in this culture than than i am so so do you think that fandom itself is also is also different or is it just the the way the interaction and and but, but still the stories are they similar i think that is my question so so for me the, what makes sports so fascinating is that whether you're a fan of a player or a team you you can see 
you follow a journey and this journey has like these moments early on you probably think well damn this guy is talented or this team has a lot of young talents and then they fail right i remember these bayern munich teams i was i was watching at some point they were on these big stages had the big losses and and then they matured into it and they finally managed to win and you have these archetype stories that that are in in sports and then at some point you have heroes you have the the bet the super teams as they call it in the us right you have the super teams and they become almost these villain characters and it's all storytelling and and just stories are told with different means and different mediums today this is my reading but but are these still the stories that work in esports or is it a very different story that that captures the interest always going to have kind of your your hero's journey or kind of your underdog story in in, in esports i mean it i kind of think back to to uh league of legends world championships i think this was back in like 2014 um a north american team their the name was tsm complete underdogs in this world world championship and no business in this tournament i mean north american teams really had no um, no clout kind of on the international level in League of Legends back then. And, you know, they were an underdog story. They grew an intense and massive loyal following for their brand because of that story. Something that, that, that younger, you know, younger esports fans lack is really that like team loyalty, I think. Streamers and the athletes, like you mentioned, um, they love this peer-to-peer -peer interaction. And that's kind of what drives esports. Um, being able to kind of banter amongst each amongst themselves on Twitch and on YouTube Live and that kind of stuff, that's what really drives kind of these communities. I think a lot of a lot of companies like Blizzard, Valve, really kind of leveraging these these influencers, and they're able to kind of reach their end user through these pros or streamers now on Twitch. So narratives and the storylines are still important. And I think those are the things that create like loyal, loyal team-based fans. But in terms of, of the, the true loyalists and the true fans of esports, they tend to follow those individual athletes, I think. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I mean, it's a trend that, that, that I've, even in like traditional marketing, when, when I was working with companies as a, as a consultant, that I, I always told them, look, you need to work a lot with people because people prefer people over brands and people follow people. And I think the same is happening in the sports world. So, so what are, what are the things? So, so of course we can look at esports by, by itself and that is a very interesting segment and a super interesting audience base and i i do believe by the way that that people who are esports fans when growing up they will also stay this so this market is going to become even become even bigger and i don't see why people would give up being being interested in in this the, the one thing that i don't fully have a good grasp on maybe you have some some insight into this before I get to the other point I wanted to get to. So uh, games change, right? So, so football or basketball, these, these games are there. They are maybe some rules change, but it's the same game and you can follow it for a long, long, long time because this game is always played. Then 
I mean, okay, Counter-Strike when I was a kid was around or when I was a teenager was around and it's still around in some way, but there are all these other games, Call of Duty, League of Legends, just to, to name a few. And, and then some like Fortnite becomes super big and popular as an esports game, but then crash and nobody plays competitive Fortnite anymore. So, so does the, is that a problem in terms of longevity? Of, of a fan relationship or do you do fans also switch from game to game and are super flexible yeah i think so i mean i think i agree with you um we you know we see games like fortnite pop up and then like an entire herd of fans will then you know gravitate toward that game but at the end of the day fans are following these streamers so someone like ninja started with fortnite he became huge because of fortnite But if Ninja were to then branch off to other video games, most of his audience will follow. He, he essentially becomes the market mover in the industry. Um, you know, a game like Valorant, which came out, which is um, a game that Riot Games created, which was kind of their, their version of Counter-Strike. Now, the, Riot Games for the longest time was always kind of this one-trick pony. They had League of Legends. They, they have since come out with uh, Teamfight Tactics, which is kind of your... your chess-based, chess randomized um, RTS game. And then you have Valorant now, which is kind of their first-person shooter introduction into this kind of competitive uh, FPS model. But come from the Counter-Strike segment are, are flocking toward Valorant. Completely different company with a completely different mission statement and everything, but because the game was similar, people had this nostalgic draw toward that game. So... Yes, as games continue to change, but people will always find kind of these these elements about different games that they can relate to that, you know, brings them back to their childhood. I mean, Diablo is another one of those games where um, Diablo 4 is set to be released soon, but most of the people that I know are more excited about the Diablo 2 Resurrection, which is a remake of a game that's over 20 years old. I think like like when you look at the game like like Diablo 2 and you say about the I didn't even know it's it, there was a comeback or a remake but but then it's like a, a nostalgia like an older leaning fan base that gets into it do you think or is it also also popular with the young folks I think so yeah I think the 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 older generations are the ones who are really going to lean into Diablo Resurrected that also applies to WoW Classic most of my friends who played WoW growing up went back to World of Warcraft Classic. And it was their way to kind of revitalize these older fans and kind of reignite re their passion for their, for their base. And that brought a lot of people back to Blizzard as a whole. And, you know, Blizzard has this entire catalog of games that, that kind of touch on every, every format. They've got an FPS with Overwatch. They've got the MMO with World of Warcraft, Diablo, um, Heroes of the Storm, which is kind of their, their MOBA. It was kind of a miss, but their way to reignite kind of older fans or, or touch on as many fans as they can yeah but th that is really interesting how how this ecosystem evolves evolves there so so when you when you look at what is working in the world of esports what what are some of the things especially around engaging the the fan base some of the tactics and the approaches you see there that you think to, like traditional or physical sports could could learn from what is adaptable to the world of sports especially of course having have, having like the younger digital affluent fan base in mind in i mean recently fortnite they did something that i thought was was super interesting um 
they had these live concerts in game. So they had Travis Scott, who's a, a super famous rapper back in the States, as well as Marshmello, who's one, you know, one of the biggest DJs in the world. They had them, they created these kind of virtual concerts. And, you know, I, I, I reckon that this was a massive hit with, with not just the existing Fortnite, you know, uh, gamer base, but, you know, people that come from kind of this, this pop culture, the people that are Travis Scott fans in general, they see that Fortnite has aligned themselves with these, you know, cool or hip brands or people like Travis Scott. And, it, you know, Fortnite has done fantastic in kind of partnering with, with particular people who can bring these, you know, people like Juju Smith-Schuster, Ninja. Um, so they're partnering with the right people, the people that, that these Gen Zs or millennials can really relate to. And um, that's something that traditional sports can, can, can lean into it is kind of really find who these younger audiences are already following and already watching and partner with them and, and try to get them on board, you know, try to align them with your brand. I mean, we've seen people like PSG do, or, or I'm sorry, not people. We've seen clubs like, like Paris St. Germain have, have done fantastic in that. They've aligned themselves as, as kind of this fashion brand by partnering with um, Air Jordan. And they've been able to tap into kind of that urban, you know, youth culture by doing that. And it's been fantastic for them since. That is interesting, even, even though, I mean, the, the a Fortnite has an, a big advantage by turning this into like a digital activation because they have this 3D digital platform that they that they can bring to the table and mo most clubs don't have it. So for them, it would probably be, be more like a concert play. But I can also, I ca can imagine that you see more of these collaborations and, and manifesting like, for instance, uh, I don't know, a video premiere, new music video premiere on the sports uh, entities, on the sports entities thing. And that is very interesting. So... The, the next thing I would be curious about, how, how is like uh, uh, the fan community organizing and, and uh, talking to each other? Be because I don't think that you will find in esports many, many of the things you have in traditional sports, like, like uh, uh, organized fan clubs and, and so on. So is, is it all based around digital communities? Who, who runs them? What are like popular places? Is it all on Reddit? Or, or can you enlighten me a bit on, on how these fans oh, and and also the the follow-up so one is which tools are they using but but also like i think in, in in sports fandom community is such an important aspect at least in legacy sports like you have the guys you go to the sports bar with and and you, you can talk sports and it's really a social experience a shared experience for most people is it the same in esports or Well, yeah, I think on esports, it's, it's pretty fragmented, to be honest. So you have, not only do you have fragments in terms of the different games, so you can find communities that are all about World of Warcraft on Reddit, on Twitch, on Facebook, um, pretty much any, any type of forum-based platform, you can find some little niche community for all those different games. Now, the more macro you go out, you can find different communities that apply to different game genres. So FPS forums. And I think that's kind of one of the issues with esports is that there's so much fragmentation. There's kind of this, this tribalism among esports fans where it's like, Oh, if you're a Valorant fan, you know, you're, you're looked down on because it's, it's the, the lesser of the FPS, um, FPS games, you know, compared to Counter-Strike. At least that's what a lot of CS players 
Yeah, so I think th there aren't kind of these centralized places where gamers of all different types of genres can congregate and really, you know, discuss banter. But you know, Twitch Twitch chat has become kind of that belly of, of esports, uh, is what I like to call it. I mean, you know, it's like the stadium experience, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's you know, it's a place where you can tailgate, chug chug a few beers, watch your favorite streamer. Um, it, you know, it's become kind of that 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 congregation spot for esports. Um, but kind of more on that on the on the streamer side, to be honest. I mean, mm -hmm. esports is is slightly different. I think, I think actually esports organizations and teams and and you know even event hosts, these esports event event hosts can really benefit from kind of creating this centralized place that they can then invite their fans, them interact amongst each other, and give them kind of a voice to interact and and make some decisions. So at the core proposition or one of the core ideas that is that is driving the development of our product as as i guess you are aware so so you need to do you need to do two things so for one you need to tell the story of sports going back to this point that i made earlier right that it's a, a sports is also storytelling and a great narrative but you need to you need to package it in a way that appeals to the audiences and and that is why we focus so much on on publishing but also on building these these interactive Uh, solutions like like fan proposals where you can say hey cool i'm you can make proposals and you, the community can upvote on them and then and then uh, we, we will get back to these proposals probably we will not implement everything that the, our community likes but at least we will consider it we will give some feedback and that is a tool that in the traditional sports world makes a whole lot of sense but i see i see no reason why it would not make sense in in an esports or gaming environment as well right you want in the end it is it's like crowdsourcing um, turned into just built into a mechanism that is really geared towards fans and and uh, another thing that that we built is ideation missions you know and ideation missions is our feature where you can describe a challenge or ask a question to your to your community and they can then start to ideate together in a in a co basically co-creation is what you could call it and That that again is something that that can make a lot of sense. A, if you really want as a as a, I don't even know what you would call it in esports. Are you are you? I mean, you have some entities that are leagues, that but then probably publishers would have to be the ones doing this. Maybe the leagues, maybe maybe clubs. I don't know. Maybe the teams themselves. But but if you if you want to involve your fan base into into some decision making, you can do it. But you can also just do it for for storytelling purposes, right? I don't know. Um, I, I guess you've been to a few product demos that, that I've done lately, and a story that I like to tell if I if I discuss with people in the sports world. So you can you can say, of course, hey, here's an ideation mission, but but instead of asking one of these tough real decisions, you can also just go ahead and say, look, we want to build a basketball example. Would be we want to find the starting five of the last decade. Um, and and now make your suggestions for a point guard, and then people can make suggestions, discuss, can can upvote or boost, as we call it on on our in our solution, can boost other people's ideas, and then you can turn this into into content. Say the top three, you make a stats analytics, a career trajectory deep dive, write this, and from there you go you go on to make a voting, and so on, and and all these mechanisms I think can also be perfectly used in in an esport environment to tell 
stories, right? It's just a different, uh, a different environment. Yeah, I mean, the the esports e and gaming community is kind of kind of uh, made for this for a platform like this because I mean, what what we like to say is we've tried to gamify kind of the fan experience and the kind of fan engagement. And I mean, if any if any user base is familiar or open to gamification, it is the gaming industry. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, the gaming industry has essentially coined beta testing. I mean, every video game, every big launch, they have a beta, you enter the beta, you try out the game, you report glitches. So the fans are already used to kind of being involved in the development process of these video games. So, you know, having a platform on which you can then involve them on the uh, on in terms of like the day-to-day esports and content uh, atmosphere i don't know I mean, i mean to me it seems like the perfect marriage you know i mean gamers want to be involved they want that inclusion with with the 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 happening the happenings of those teams or of these esports entities and i think it's it's something that they would be respons- responsive to to be honest Yeah, I will not disagree with you on on, on that yeah. one. And and so so another thing that I find that I find very very interesting is so in sports terminology you would classify esports most likely as a participatory sport, right? Like like un, unlike some of the big sports, football, I would say the absolute minority of people who follow football. So when I say football, I mean European football, aka soccer, right? But play soccer actively. But in in esports, I, I would assume that there is a high percentage of people who who follow a given esport also play, play the game casually. And now you can create all these all these interesting opportunities where where you where you offer that a professional plays against some some people from the community, which I guess is happening anyways, right? Like like on on Twitch and so on, and. Uh, These are uh, these are things that are probably harder to implement in many in many traditional sports, just to, because of the injury risk that comes from competing against people who are on a very different on a very di- different level than yourself. So so here you can do stuff that is really exciting. I mean, depends a bit on the sport. It's easier to to run against somebody who is an amateur than to than to play basketball against someone. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of touched on that on my in the article that you had mentioned earlier um there's not much improvements i can make about my game when i watch someone like julio jones play football now you know he's he i mean i'm i might be near his athleticism but you know i'd lack the size that he might have um that's a joke that i'm not even close to his athleticism but but yeah i mean it, people who watch sports you know even if you've played sports growing up There, there's not much you can really glean. There's not much learnings that you can obtain from watching sports. I mean, maybe if I'm watching Chris Paul, you know, I can go, ooh, that's that's a nice crossover he just did. Like, I'm going to try that at the gym next time. Probably going to fail. But while in esports, like, there, there are times when I would be watching, you know, a League of Legends mid laner play, play in a professional tournament. I'd say, damn, I actually made a play similar to that. Or holy shit, I'm going to try that, you know, in my next game. I'm going to see, you know, what what type of strategies I can implement on my own game. So there's this there's this element of watching to improve. And it, it's something that esports has. And like you mentioned, 
there's all these opportunities for kind of involving fans and pros together on like kind of a level playing field. I mean, there's probably an entire segment of, of esports fans who could not even hold a candle to most pros, but you know, there are those intermediates, the people like, I mean, I, I would never toot my own horn, but I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not nearly good enough to be a professional, but I'm also not shit enough to be <laughs> like, to not continue playing. Like I still have this yeah. glimmer of hope that I can maybe, <laughs> maybe do something. And th- those are kind of the people that I think would, be extremely interested in 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 this kind of fan interaction with pros yeah definitely that is that is a very interesting very interesting field to me so so just to wrap up and as like a closing question because that is something that that, that i think people are very split split upon early earlier i gave my take but you didn't give yours so, so is esports a real sport yeah i think so i mean listen when I was in high school, I was a part of my high school marching band and we would get made fun of all the time. You know, oh, you guys, it's easy. You guys are geeks. You guys are nerds. Um, and then ESPN created a documentary about kind of the energy expenditure of, of a typical marching band band member. And I forget the exact, exact numbers, but they, they attributed the energy expenditure of like a marathon runner. Um, I don't know how legit that was, but the reason I bring that up is because sports is something in which there's a competitive element. There's a scoring system. There's a winner. There's a loser. Um, I think those are the most important things about sports. Um, you wouldn't really consider golf or disc golf to be like an extremely um, athletic, intensive endeavor, but it's still a sport because there's a competitive element to it. And I think esports, esports is is essentially the same you're bringing people in which there's different skill levels there's high intensity high pressure i mean if you look at the life of an esports pro it involves eight to ten if not more hours of practice on a daily basis it involves high pressure high intensity situations within these games um you know fractions of of seconds inches centimeters you know decide the 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 outcomes of of games and you know, there's an incredible amount of pressure. There's now a lot of money being poured into, into esports and a lot of sponsorship deals. And, you know, these athletes have an incredible amount of pressure to perform now. And, you know, it's, it's a disservice to esports by saying that it's not a sport because, you know, it's something that I can also do while drinking beers at home. Um, but I can say the same thing for golf. I can say the same thing for a lot of sports. And, you know, oh, that's I know not... A lot of, I know a lot of people who drink beer and play football, right, on the weekends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Sunday league, Sunday league at the uh, at the pitch, you'll you'll catch a lot of people chugging beers before and after the game. Yeah, That's clearly, sure. clearly, no. Yeah. So, so I I think that is a that is a perfect summary. Do do you have any last words that you want to that you want to share with our listeners? I, I think I think it's important to um to to think of esports kind of like the perfect digital representation of what sports could be, and and that's not to say that sports incredibly behind they're really not it's really just turning the lever hitting a few light switches tapping into a few digital mediums that that you know a lot of fans could be sitting you know young fans love odell beckham because of his involvement on twitch classes players like juju smith schuster and you know the nfl is really struggling to kind of tap into young audiences and focusing on these 
guys who are well-versed and, and tapping into the younger audiences could be, you know, a really effective strategy. I think, you know, just learning from kind of how, how esports has been successful could be a, a great tool for, for sports organizations as well. It's a whole lot of sense. And on that note, Ron, I would say let's wrap it up here. That was the first edition of Liquidity Cast, Liquidity Cast Huddle to be specific. And uh, I hope you liked it. We intend to bring you a lot more of these. We will bring you, as I said in the intro, guest-based as well as people from, from Liquidity team discussing topics that matter and uh, looking forward to to bringing you more of these if you liked it then please hit the subscribe button leave us a great rating five stars five stars on apple podcast and uh, yeah you can you can find this wherever you find your podcast so subscribe thank you so much take care